Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Good morning, Dr. Lucy. Welcome to today's podcast. Thanks, Dr. Mary. How are you? You know, I'm I'm good. I'm good. Um, I did really overdo it last week with too much stress and not enough self-care. So I am working on that this week with some extra self-care in the form of rest, meditation and trying to get a bit more exercise. So hopefully this time next week I will feel I'll feel much better and less ratty. Wonderful. Well, I'd had a busy week the week before, but this week life is good. Life is good. I'm sleeping well. Work-life balance good this week. So, you know, it's always just a work in progress and some weeks are good and some weeks are less good. I hear you. I definitely do. I am very happy to be here with you today on this podcast discussing a favourite topic of mine, possibly my favourite organ in the human body. As a biochemist, I love the liver. The liver is fabulous. The liver does so much. It is an incredible metabolic powerhouse. And I won't nerd out uh, talking about liver biochemistry, but I am excited to discuss the liver in today's podcast, which we have called Love Your Liver. Absolutely. Our liver, I reckon, is the most forgiving organ of all time. It is incredible that the things we ask it to do for us, and it just keeps going, trying its best, doing incredible things with sometimes less than incredible products. <laughs> absolutely. It is. The liver is extraordinary, and we absolutely cannot live without it. And today we're going to discuss how you can be kinder to your liver and how indeed your liver may be in trouble without you even realising. What do you mean, Mess? What do you mean by in trouble? Tell us a bit more about that. I mean non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. It is extraordinarily common, very common, like 30% of Australian adults have this disease common, 30%, just a little bit under, like 28.5. And people most likely don't even know if they have got non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. It is the silent epidemic of our times. And it's important. It's important to know if you have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Well, hang on, hang on. Can you wind back a bit? What, why is it called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease? I don't get that. Yeah, it's a, it, it rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It's a, it's a pretty long and cumbersome name. All right. So fatty liver is abnormal fat deposits within the liver. Incredibly common condition. The liver has a little bit of fat in it. That's perfectly normal. But in fatty liver, there is more fat being stored within the liver cells than the liver can really cope with. And the liver gets inflamed and unhappy. Traditionally, like in decades gone past, the only known cause of fatty liver was alcohol. So excess alcohol consumption forces the liver to store all those excess calories from the alcohol as fat and stored within the liver. And 
the liver isn't meant to be a fat storage organ. It doesn't like it. And the liver cells, they, they get inflamed, they die. Um, the immune system rushes in to, to try and help mop up all the, the inflammation that happens when the liver cells sort of get die and that causes even more inflammation. And it can set up sometimes very, very serious um, cycles of liver disease that can ultimately result in cirrhosis, which is scarring of the liver. It can even result in a type of liver cancer called hepatocellular carcinoma. And it's really bad. It's really bad. It's uh, one of the fastest growing causes of people needing a liver transplant. So coming back to that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So alcohol used to be the cause of fatty liver. It was just, if people had fatty liver, it was because they overdid alcohol. That was the medical paradigm. But in recent decades, more and more people, including children and adolescents, are getting fatty liver for people who don't overdo alcohol. They may not even drink at all, particularly in the case of children and adolescents, and yet they're getting fatty liver. So a new disease has been described called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And it is just as bad as alcoholic fatty liver disease, causing all of the same potential complications. And it is due to carbohydrate intolerance. It's due to insulin resistance plus high insulin plus a high carb diet results in excess fat being shoved into the liver and the liver not coping can you just add in where fructose fits into this picture as well? Because I hear people wanting to know about fructose. Is fructose a carb? Where does it fit in with sugar? I, I just need a little more clarity on that. Yeah, fructose is incredibly important in the evolution of fatty liver disease. So for those of you who don't know, fructose or fructose, depending on how you pronounce it. Which side of the bay you're on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> on my side of the bay, we say fructose. So uh, fructose is a simple sugar and all sugars and carbohydrates are made up of these little building blocks, simple sugar building blocks, glucose, fructose, galactose, there's a few of them, and table sugar. So just the normal sugar that is in all of our processed foods that's in everything everything including fruit you know natural sugar as well is made up of a glucose simple sugar linked to a fructose simple sugar so if you could imagine a bowl of table sugar um if you've got say you've got 100 grams oh let's go, let's go with coke okay got a can of coke let's say you got a can of coke with 100 grams of sugar in it that is going to be 50 grams glucose and 50 grams fructose so it is exactly one half of table sugar is fructose. Why do I keep saying fructose? Well, fructose is important because it is metabolized differently to glucose. So glucose, every cell in our body can use glucose. If you ate 100 grams of glucose, then every cell in your body would, would get in on that action. But fructose is a different beast entirely. Fructose can only be metabolized by the liver. And indeed, we didn't even understand fructose metabolism. When I did biochemistry, it was a big black hole. We didn't understand it. It has recently been explained and characterized in the last few years. And now we know that fructose is actually metabolized by the liver in a similar way to how alcohol is metabolized and that it can only be metabolized by the liver and it 
gets basically converted directly into fat, which, you know, if there is too much fructose in the diet and the liver isn't coping, then it pretty much directly goes into liver fat and fatty liver. That's a simplistic but reasonably true sort of summary of fructose. Awesome. So I guess where that would fit potentially into the woodshed model that we're often talking about. So glucose puts your insulin up, which locks your woodshed. Alcohol and fructose basically get converted into logs that sit outside the woodshed and need to be burnt first before you would even go into the woodshed and burn some of your stored fat. Yep, absolutely. And they're also causing direct damage to your liver. So they're hampering fat loss by being logs that are put out the front of your woodshed that need to be burnt before your body will bother opening your woodshed. And also they're bad for your liver. Totally. So isn't this interesting? Because out there, liver cleansing diets, for example, and a lot of these involve juice cleansers. So tell me a little bit about that mess. Well, it's an interesting idea, isn't it, that that we can cleanse our body with particular diets or supplements. Not a lot of scientific truth behind this. What cleanses our body? We are detoxifying all the time, all the time, and our liver is a massive, uh, a massive part of our detoxification. So, uh, you know, billions of chemical reactions are going on every second where we, our bodies are getting rid of potential harmful toxins because harmful toxins are just made by being alive, just sitting around doing nothing. Your cells just being alive. They create harmful byproducts, which need to be removed. And they just are, they just are by normal biochemistry. And this process just happens naturally. Our liver, our kidneys, our colon, all of these things are our natural detoxifiers. Our wonderful organs. <laughs> our wonderful organs, yeah, are just by living. Yes. And the way to support your detoxification is to support your body, to eat natural, real foods, to drink water, to sleep, extremely important for natural detoxification processes, to manage your stress, to get outside in the sunlight, to move your body, to see your friends. These are all literal things that support the biochemistry of natural and healthy detoxification. But this this idea that by um, drinking juice, particularly if you're making it with fruit juice, so it's high in fructose and you're using a high fructose liquid diet to detox your body, I feel uncomfortable with that. Well, I'm going to go further than uncomfortable and I'm going to say it's actually rubbish. The whole idea that we can bombard our liver with a big whack of fructose and Vegetables have fructose in them. I mean, this is the whole concept of the FODMAPS diet that is looking at reducing fructans to the colon because they can't be absorbed properly, yada, yada, separate topic. But the idea that you can help detoxify your liver by making it work really hard bamboozles me. And I'm going to say that I think the majority of this is, again, driven by people wanting to make some money. You'll find that there's companies out there that will, you know, have a have a liver cleanse diet, for example, and they will be promoting juicing 
And there is often a supplement that goes with it, some sort of herbs to support your liver during this process. How about you just give your liver a rest? That is the best thing you can do for it. Just rest it. Stop giving it toxic substances to work, fructose, alcohol, those sorts of things are probably the thing, well, they are the things that it has to work the hardest to metabolize. Yes, absolutely. If you want to to support your liver, eat low-carb real food. And that, indeed, low-carb real food is, I would say, one of, if not the best treatments for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So, you know, a third of adults in Australia, and this is across the Western world and even, you know, in the developing world as well, it is a an epidemic on a, just an unimaginable proportion. Like this is an enormous, enormous problem facing our society and our healthcare system, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, but it is a silent disease. It often doesn't have any symptoms until people get really sick. So people usually don't know. And one of the best treatments for it is eating real food. But just you know, backing up a little bit, why am I getting so fired up about non-alcoholic fatty liver disease? What is the big deal here? It's a big deal in two ways. So if you have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, there are two major issues with that. One is that it can cause liver problems. So, you know, a a proportion of people with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease go on to get terrible liver disease. They can even, you know, including cancer and death. So that's, that's not everyone. That is a proportion of people, a small proportion. But anybody, even if you've got mild non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, it means that you've got insulin resistance and high insulin, which is associated with high blood pressure, with abnormal and cholesterol profiles associated with heart disease, strokes, dementia, diabetes, abdominal obesity, and chronic kidney disease. So it is like it's a herald of other serious chronic diseases, as well as being able to cause significant disease and debility in its own right. Absolutely. And I think the issue is it's quite confusing the terminology of fatty liver. People think, oh, I've got fat in my liver, I need to go on a low fat diet. And that's often the worst thing to do because by proxy, low fat means high carb. Again, there's only three macronutrients, fat, protein, and carbohydrate. So if you reduce one, you conversely increase another one. So the treatment The absolute treatment, I mean, we see it all the time, of reversing fatty liver is low-carb real food. Yes. And, you know, fatty liver terrifies me, you know, at a societal level. But at at an individual level with with my wonderful patients, fatty liver actually represents something that I I, I really love the most because it is so easy to resolve. And I see the resolution of fatty liver really quickly when people transition to a low carb diet. Indeed, it's sort of like the first thing that happens. It happens within days, within weeks. And I mean, that we, everybody loves some instant gratification. So that is a really one of the most rewarding things about my medical practice, perhaps, is the fast resolution of fatty liver disease. And 
the science has shown, so it was a 2018 study showing that people who ate a low-carb diet as opposed to a low-fat diet had greater reductions in their liver fat and it was much faster and also they were able to lose fat without hunger and I can put the reference in the show notes below. Yeah, and a recent study actually done last year, 2020, I'll put the reference in there as well. People with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease who ate a low-carb diet for just six days, six days, had a a nearly 60% reduction in their insulin resistance and a more than 50% reduction in their liver fat. Six days. So a low-carb diet can resolve this issue fast. This is how wonderful our liver is. And again, we just don't spend any time thanking it or appreciating it but it is a powerhouse it is so forgiving it is an organ that can repair itself given the opportunity so well so it's never too late you know I've seen people with woeful woeful fatty liver that three months later completely normal but the interesting thing Maz is the blood tests. And you know, you're the biochemist nerd. I'm giving you permission here to be a bit nerdy because for a lot of people, they'll go to their doctor and they'll come back and think their bloods are normal. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So a good test to see if someone has fatty liver disease, either alcoholic or non-alcoholic, is what we call liver function tests, which test for various enzymes in the blood that can leak into the blood when the liver gets inflamed. And um, in particular, ALT and GGT are the two ones that we would look for. So interestingly, whenever you order blood tests, there will be a reference range for normal. So in little brackets reported next to your blood test. And what has been happening in recent years is that the reference ranges for liver function tests have been creeping up as more and more people get fatty liver disease as fatty liver disease becomes the rule you know the new normal the new norm exactly yep that the pathology companies are accepting higher and higher levels of these liver enzymes which in my opinion is really is really quite wrong so i can't give you exact values of what you want to aim for for your um, liver function tests because different labs do have sort of slightly different assays but normal if we've got normal liver function tests, there could still be a problem. So there's a difference between normal and optimal. But look, for most labs, particularly in Australia, if your values for your ALT and your GGT are in the sort of less than 20, less than 30, then you're probably all right. But anything less than 40 will be reported as normal. Yeah. I think we say that a lot, that the ALT of 36 is considered normal and it's not. It is typical, but it's not optimal. And that's really what we really would be looking at is, is yeah, you can have a normal, but the whole, whole world's got fatty liver now, so who wants to be normal? I'm actually happy to be abnormal in this department and have what I would call optimal, an optimal liver. So we have discussed what non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and why it's important, why it is in fact serious, because it is a marker of metabolic disease, which is serious within itself. And it can also cause long-term damage to the liver in and of itself. And we've discussed how to fix it with a low-carb lifestyle. It's quite amazing how quickly and wonderfully that can work. I'm going to discuss briefly now how we diagnose it. So 
Non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is diagnosed on blood tests primarily and then liver imaging. So the blood tests are called liver function tests. They're frequently ordered as part of screening bloods and also um, ordered if doctors think there could be anything going on with the liver. And there are multiple parts to a liver function test. The ones that are particularly relevant for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is the ALT, which is the alanine transaminase is what it stands for and it's an enzyme that normally lives sort of on the inside of the liver cell and it can leak out into the blood in increased amounts when the liver's inflamed and a normal ALT is considered anything less than 40 international units per litre but optimally there's a difference between normal and optimal optimally we really want it to be less than 30 less than 20 and the other important blood test is the GGT or glamoglutamate transferase, which is an enzyme that normally lives around the outside of the liver cell, also leaks out into the blood in increased amounts when the liver gets damaged or inflamed. Normal for this is considered anything less than 50 international units per liter, but similarly we want it less than 30, less than 20 it would be optimal. And as a GP, if I do some blood tests and they come back as abnormal, if someone's got some elevated liver enzymes or elevated liver function test, I don't automatically assume that it's non-alcoholic fatty liver disease because there's lots of other things it could be. It could be infections, could be something structurally going on. So it would be very important to investigate a little bit further. And usually that would include imaging, some kind of imaging of the liver in most often that would be a liver ultrasound sometimes we do other imaging as indicated and then the ultrasound of the liver can usually tell us whether or not there is some fatty infiltration like excess amounts of fat within the liver and that is how we diagnose non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and as i said i am not discouraged when i see people with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease because i know how easily it can be treated with low-carb, real food. Ah, the liver. God, we love it. It does so much for our body, and yet we don't talk about it hardly at all. Everyone knows about the heart. The heart gets a big, a big uh, rap, and rightly so, because I guess if your heart stops, you actually do die. But the liver, the liver is there carrying the load for years and years, and we need to love it. Yes, we do. We would be absolutely nothing without Oliver. Totally. So, lovelies, the take-home message with this is don't overdo it on the on juices. Your liver doesn't like it. You don't need to do a juice cleanse. Your liver doesn't like it. What you can do to support your liver, low-carb, real food. That's it. Doesn't have to be anything fancier than that. Your liver will be grateful. And it will detoxify you all by itself. Wonderful. All right, darlings, we'll see you all next week. Have a wonderful week ahead. Bye, guys. So, my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.